God is good. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I was reminded this morning down the hall when we all came together to pray that God uses the foolish things of this world. Can I say this this morning before we pray, before we begin? I present myself to you in foolishness this morning. He uses the foolish things of this world to dumbfound the wise. I don't come to here this morning with you with smarts. I don't come before you this morning with any seminary. I don't come before you this morning with any degree. I present myself a weak vessel. The Bible says that when we are weak, He is strong. I present myself to God this morning as a vessel in His hand in weakness and in foolishness. You know, a lot of times the Christian life, it's a lot of perspective. I kind of got a little discouraged this week and I thought, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I I can't figure it out, God. I wish I had a few more notes this morning uh, other than this uh, little sticky note with a few words on it. Amen? But I began to be reminded as I I felt a little bit discouraged. I felt a little bit uh, uh, unready. And I began to feel weak. As I said, the Christian life is all about perspective. I was reminded, as I have been so many times in these seven years, since Jesus Christ pulled me from the darkness, since Jesus Christ saved me, pulled me out of a dark life of drugs and alcohol, of anger and fighting, since Jesus Christ changed my life, He has reminded me so many times that when we are weak, He is strong. I begin to think, man, I'm not ready, I'm not prepared, I can't do this. And then I started, that verse came to mind, when we're weak, He's strong. Then I started to kind of just change my attitude a little bit and thought, wow, that's right, God. I am weak, but you're strong. Lord, I'm not enough, but you are. God, I can't do it, but you can. You know, that's faith. Faith occurs when we stop and we say, God, I can't, but you can. Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. This morning's going to be a little bit different, a little bit more different than it, well, I would generally preach on a Sunday morning. If you're a visitor here, my name's Branson. Uh, I'm just a scallywag who's been saved and loved the Lord. Amen. Amen. If, if you're a visitor here this morning, if you don't like my preaching, come back next week. Pastor Joplin is awesome. Amen. This morning, I'm going to give you something a little bit different than I would normally give on a Sunday morning. It would normally typically be like a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. But my sermon this morning is really to the church. And I want to say this. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be different. Uh, God has shown me that. I shared this testimony last Sunday night. And some of what I have for even this morning will be, if you're here Sunday night, you'll have a little bit of review on the book of Deuteronomy. But... I was at a wedding last Saturday, and uh, I was sitting there, and the guy was preaching, and to me it seemed way too long. He was he was really going on and on, but that's neither here nor there. But I was sitting there, and it was outside, and I was kind of far. Uh, it was an outside wedding. The speakers were going in and out, in and, out and um, I kind of started fading off while he was talking. Don't you do that to me this morning, amen? I started kind of fading in and out when he was talking, and I started thinking, man, I'm not really like any pastor. I really just don't fit in with pastors. Even this last weekend, uh, you know, it's the 4th of July. Uh, you know, I got my tank top on and somebody had asked me what I do at my church. I told them I'm the associate pastor and I preach on Sunday nights and they just kind of looked at me funny. Um, I might have had my shirt off fishing. I got big tattoos on my back and huge scars all over my arms. And, and they looked at me and thought that was kind of strange. I thought, I really just don't fit in with other pastors. 
I'm really just a scallywag that's been saved. I know I've said that, but I'll probably say it again. That's all that I am. And I remember uh, last week, anyways, I was thinking about it at that wedding, how different that I am. And I, as the pastor, he, he was preaching uh, during this wedding, and it's like you ever been faded out, and then you kind of fade back in. And something he said was, when the first thing I heard after I'd been thinking this was, he said, and it's okay, God made us all different. And God, that has just ministered to me ever since I heard that. You know, God didn't make you and me different so we can try and look and act like everybody else. So much of the church today, so much of the, when I say the church, you know, there's only one church. Those who are born again Christians, the saints of God, we are all one church. But there's so much today where we're supposed to fit in, what we're supposed to look and act like. And I've just really decided I don't really have to try and look or act like anything. You know, I'll tell you, I mean, I wear a suit and tie here on Sunday mornings. I was raised in church. When I was eight years old, I was in a suit and tie. So that's normal for me, amen. But listen, you, you be you. God, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't try and be something or somebody that you're not. You be you. I can, you know what, I can wear a tank top and a sideways hat and still love God, amen. Doug says amen, hallelujah. That was all free. None of that had anything to do with my sermon, amen. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 15. If you would all stand with me in the honor and the reading of the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 15 says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And then I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways. And to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, so that you do not hear, and are drawn away, and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them." Father, we come before You today, God, in need of You, God. These people have not gathered to hear my zeal, to hear what I have to say, but God, they've gathered to hear from You, God. I present myself to You. I'm asking You, anoint me, prepare me. Put this sermon, put it together. Put it in order. Show it to me. Stir it inside of me, God. I am in need of You this morning. Give us of Yourself, God, with unction, with power. Anoint my lips. Anoint my tongue, God. May I fear You and fear no man. May I do what I do for You and nobody else, God. Fill this place with the glory of Yourself, God. Give us of Yourself this morning. If there be someone in here lost, although the sermon is to the church, God, I know that You do things that we do not expect, Lord. You are powerful and You can do anything. If there's someone in here who's lost, God, I'm asking You to save them. Pursue them unto salvation. Revive Your church. Restore Your people today. Let our flames burn brightly. Prepare the ears, the spiritual ears and eyes of Your people. God, we'll give You all the glory. We'll give You all the praise. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated.
The book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses. It was written by Moses literally about within 30 days or so of his death. Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy to the generation that was about to follow Joshua into the promised land. And if you read the book of Joshua, excuse me, of Deuteronomy, I've been doing a study on it, even at the very beginning, Moses begins to go back over the wilderness wanderings. And he really goes back over and he reviews. He's writing the letter, now keep this in mind, he's writing this letter to the people that were about to go into the promised land. He's writing this letter to the generation. Remember, God swore that generation would never enter into the promised land. Remember that the first generation, they wandered. God brought them out of Egypt. He brought them out and saved them. They went into the wilderness and they wandered and they complained and they murmured and they were negative. They didn't believe God. They tested God. But Joshua and Caleb, the son of Nun, they were two of the, remember the twelve spies went out. They were two of the spies that believed God. Yes, God, your word is true. Yes, we can take the land. And the other former generation, the one he brought up out of Egypt, that generation was not allowed to go into the promised land. Moses himself, because of God's anger with the disobedience of the people, and Moses disobeyed God and struck the rock, but Moses himself could not enter into the promised land. He could only look on it. So that generation could not enter in because of their unbelief. God told them, you shall not enter into my rest. So that generation is all gone now. That are all past. Now we see the children of that generation. No doubt some of them still saw the Red Sea. They still saw great and powerful things. This is the generation that is about to take the promised land in Joshua. Moses is about to die. They're about to follow Joshua. Joshua, if you know that book, is a story of victory. They march in. Uh, they take down. Uh, God brings down the walls of Jericho. They take down giants. They defeat many enemies. And Joshua is a book of victory, victory, victory. So Moses is writing Deuteronomy to this generation that's about to go in and possess the land. The first three chapters or so, he really goes back over the, the wilderness wanderings. He goes back over the things that happened. And he repeatedly says over and over, do not forget. Don't forget, lest, you're, lest the things you have seen depart from your very heart. Don't forget where I brought you from. Don't forget that I saved you from the land of Egypt. Don't forget the power and the mighty things that you've seen. And one thing that, in my study of Deuteronomy, God has really, really impressed upon my heart is, is Him giving us His absolute Word. Him giving us His absolute full blueprint. You know, this is kind of, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit of what I'm about to say right now would be at the conclusion of the sermon, but I'm going to say it now. We, you and I, the church, the people of God, we have absolutely no reason. We have no excuse. You and I, the church of the living God, those who are born again, those who are saved, we have no excuse to not be living and walking in absolute victory. We have no excuse to not be taking down the giants. We have absolutely no excuse to not be seeing the walls coming down. 
We have no excuse to not be walking around like saints that are anointed, are stinking, our socks are so anointed, they're blown off. Guys, we have no excuse, we have no reason not to walk around in absolute victory, anointed under the power of God. All has been provided. All has been given. We now can follow our heavenly Joshua, Jesus Christ. We can follow Him and His commandment to us is you be strong. You be very courageous. You go in and take the land. You know, I often, you can see the wilderness and sometimes there's, this is for people much smarter than I, but uh, I've done some study in the last seven years, and there's there's what they have a, a call a, a law of double meaning. You know, I often wondered when the is that a picture of when the people got out brought out of uh, uh, when they got brought out of Egypt and saved? Is that a picture of them being unbelieving and not trusting to God, not going to heaven? But here's what I really honestly think that it, it, the picture is to us: God brought all those people out of the land of Egypt. He saved them. You got a lot of people here who have been saved. Here's what I truly believe this is for us this morning. A lot of people have been saved. A lot of people have the manna. God provides you the manna every day. He provides you what you need, the things that you need. There's a few. They defeated uh, King Og. They defeated a giant or two here and there. But generally speaking, those people of the church, generally speaking, those people that wandered in the wilderness did not go into the promised land The promised land was an experience here on earth. Not to say the promised land was like, oh, when I go to heaven, I'll make it. You know, here's why I believe the promised land is a victorious land that we spiritually are to walk on here on earth. They were still fighting in the promised land. There was still a fight. There was still a battle. Notice that when he took him into the promised land, he didn't say, here, you're going to take it all. It's all yours. They were going to take all the land. But guess what? It was to be done, he says, I preached on this last week, it's back in 10 or 12 or something, chapter 10 or 12 of Deuteronomy. But he says to him this, you're going to take the land little by little. You're going to take the land little by little. You're not going to just march in and take the whole thing at once. See, in the same way, our hearts, you know, we are being sanctified. Listen, church, we're going to take the land, but it's going to be little by little. And God has given you and I instructions absolute instructions. And he has laid before us the first verse I read to you. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and death, life and good, death and evil. What God really impressed on my heart was this. God, he has given us his word. He has laid it all out for us. He has laid, listen to this, church, child of God, this is for you this morning. God has laid at your doorstep. God has laid at your feet. Victory and defeat. God has laid at your doorstep a blessing and a cursing. And it is your choice, absolutely, it is your choice what you choose to walk in as the children of God. Unfortunately, I believe much of the church today, when I say the church, the overall church, I believe much of the church today it's like those that are in the wilderness. 
They walk around, they complain, they grumble, they murmur, they'll never submit to God's authority. They've got their bread and their food and their water every day. They're taken care of like babes. And they never in this life reach the promised land experience because they continually choose to disobey God and do things their own way. It is absolutely... One thing that's really mind-blowing, Deuteronomy is one of the oldest books in the Bible. It is incredible. If you read it, I'm not going to have time to go through everything this morning. I challenge you, study the book of Deuteronomy. It's incredible. It blew my mind how, re- how relevant Deuteronomy is to your life and my life today. It is incredible how a book written thousands of years ago, penned down by Moses, through the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God is good, amen. Hey, His Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's incredible to me how His Word still ministers to us. Deuteronomy, it has spoken to me so much. And I'm going to go over this this morning a little bit. We're going to go over some of the curse, and then we're going to finish with the, with the good stuff, the blessing, amen. But if you would turn to Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to read to you some scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 15. I'm not going to have time to cover it all. It's kind of funny. When God, in the end, in like Deuteronomy starting in like 28 and 29, um, he starts to go over, he's gone over all the laws and he's gone over all the, uh, the things in the past. But in Deuteronomy 28 and 29, he goes over the blessings that are going to happen to you. And they're in the first 14 verses, the blessings. Well, we're about to start in verse 15. He talks about the curses of the book, the cursings that will come upon you. It's like from 15 through verse 68, and then it continues through 29. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I want to look at why God gave us so much on that. But let's look at Deuteronomy verse 28, verse 15. This is to you and I this morning, church. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments and His statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. Verse 45. I do not have time to read all this this morning. We'd be reading for over ten minutes. Verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes which He commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Pick up with me in chapter 29 and verse 14. It's incredible. He went over only 14 verses of the blessing and then maybe well over close to a hundred verses, going into detail about what would happen if you choose the curse. What would happen if you chose to disobey God? Some of what we just read, but here's why I believe he went so much in detail over what was going to happen. I believe it's because he loves us and he cares about us and he wants to protect us from it. But verse 14 of 29, 
I make this covenant and this oath, not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. Verse 19. Notice that covenant is with you and I. Verse 19. And so it may not happen. Hold on right there. So he's gone over all this in detail. All the curses of the law. All the curses, excuse me, if we disobey God. If we're not walking in His ways. If we're not uh, trusting Him. Seeking after Him. If we're going our own way and specifically and deliberately disobeying God. And so it may not happen. So he went over this in detail. And hey, like I said, this may be like a Sunday or Wednesday night. I didn't go over it all and I challenge you to go over it all. Because you need to know the Word of God. You need to know his warnings and you need to know his blessings and so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying i shall have peace even though i follow the dictates of my own heart as though the drunkard could be included with the sober isn't that interesting i want to say this first and foremost you need to be in god's word This is your life. This is your wisdom. This is your understanding. This is your victory. God has given him of, uh, he has given us of himself. Yes, he has sent his spirit, but I'm telling you, I've never met a child of God that is living and walking in victory that is not fully entrenched in this book. Church, this book is your life. It's one of those things that we hear and we say all the time, yes, I know, read your Bible, read your Bible. Are you reading your Bible? I'd be afraid to ask how many people, if I said, how many, how many of you have read the Bible for 20 minutes a day for five days a week? I'd be afraid to have, have the people stand up in this audience. I, I don't know this. I may be wrong. But I fear it would be what it shouldn't be. And listen, I'm the man of God. You will not stand before me someday, okay? I'm just sitting here as a vessel. I didn't even ask myself to preach. God called me to preach. I didn't even ask to be up here this morning. God opened the door. And I I praise God. I'm blessed to be able to be a servant of the living God. That being said, listen to me this morning. This is your life. Don't let this go in one ear and out the other. Listen. You need to know the blessings and the cursings of this book. This book will deride you, will, will drive you, sir. It will teach you how to be a father. It will teach you how to lead your home, what God has placed under your shelter, under your wings. God will use this book to lead you, to teach you. You will live and walk in victory if you put this book. Listen, don't let it go. Don't bypass this in your everyday life. It is everything. This is incredible. So I said all that to say this because when we read the verse I just read in 19, it kind of already assumes they know the law. So that's why I wanted to go over to make sure you know it. But isn't it interesting? He says, I read all this. We went over all this oath. We went over in detail all the curses that will come upon you if you disobey God, if you go after your own way, if you do what your own heart desires. If you do this, If you don't obey me, I have given you this so it may not happen. And that those who don't say in their heart, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that described much of the church today? Honestly, I'm talking about the overall church in general. I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart. 
I shall have peace as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. It's almost just like a funny thing. Isn't that funny today? Even just on that point there. It's incredible to me. I'm going to put my foot down on this today. I don't care what the, I don't care what happens. I'm going to say it and I'm going to do it. It's what I stand on. I'll live and die with it. It's incredible to me today how many Christian people think that you can go out and get drunk. That you can go and drink beer. What a stupid thing. As though the drunkard should be included with the sober. Can I say this this morning? I have lived that lifestyle. You're not fooling me. I know what it's like to drink one beer. I've done it thousands of times. Yes, thousands of times. Day and night for years and years and years. Blackout drunk on our drugs. I know what it's like to drink one beer. So don't bring your argument to me. I know when you drink one beer, you're not sober. I know that for a fact because I've lived it. The Bible says in Peter, be therefore sober. You know, it's funny. I see the sign driving around. You hear the commercials. This is from people who don't. This is from the world. This is from the world's perspective. Not from a church. Not from a Christian organization. You see those signs? Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Huh. So people of the world will tell you that a buzz is a drunk. What is a buzz when you have one or two beers? You're just a little drunk. The Bible says, be you therefore sober. I don't know about you. I don't want to live on the line. It's like God's commanded us to be sober. And you want to argue with me how many beers you can drink till you overhear an absolute willful sin against God. What a foolish thing. I call that stupidity. I don't know about you. I don't want to live on the line. I don't want to find out how close I can get until I willfully sin and disobey my God. Drunkenness is sin. Hallelujah, Branson. Drunkenness is wrong. As, as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. Much of the church says this today. I, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart. God, I know it's sin to do this. I know it's sin to do that. I know I shouldn't let my children hear this. I know I shouldn't be watching this nasty movie. But I shall have peace even though I do what I want. I shall have peace. I called upon the name of the Lord. I shall have peace and, and do whatever I want. Isn't that what the church has gone after today? Do whatever you want. God is love. Listen. Those people in the world do not understand love. Love is trust. Love is obedience. Love says, God, I trust you. God, I will not sin against you. And listen, hey, we all make mistakes. I don't know about you this morning. I am thankful that He is mindful that we are dust. We fall down. We make mistakes. We sin. Man, Paul says, man, I do the things I don't want to do. I do what I, I, I don't do what I want to do. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about those who willfully walk around in sin and darkness and say, yeah, I shall have peace even though I do what I want. I know I should pay my tithes, but it's okay, I'll do whatever I want. Most of those other bunch of church religious fakes, it's all about money. If you think it's all about money here this morning, quite clearly you don't know me. And and honestly, I want to tell you this this morning, I'm not paid here on staff. I don't get paid by the church. And you know what, I really don't care if I ever do. Although it is biblical in the Bible. 
Those who preach and teach the word. If you want to know about, if you want to find out what you believe, it's biblical that our pastor is on staff. It is biblical. I don't know. Do you know that? Do you know the Bible says he keeps watch over your soul? I want to know that the pastor's watching over my soul, not worrying about how he's going to pay the bills this week. Amen. You know, that's, that's what the Bible says. So if you have a problem with that, you need to take that up with God. And if you think that we or me are about money, like I said, I'm not paid here on staff. But I want to say this, I'll still preach God's Word. You should be paying your tithes. All is well, God, I know you've called me and commanded me. God, I know you've blessed me and given me all that I have. I know you've given me my house, my home, everything good in my sight, but I don't think I'll give to this. Because, listen, you're in disobedience. You're in open and willful sin if you're not paying your tithes. Bottom line. That's sin. It's wrong. It's incredible how many of the church today, the overall church, does the things of their own heart and says, I will have peace. Here's what I've come to tell you this morning. All these curses of the book. He said, and I'm going to paraphrase all of what I already read earlier in the previous chapter. Everything's going to be cursed in your life. Everything. You know, I was starting to think about this the other day. What if a lot of this meant really spiritually? What if there's somebody who's a Christian and they're totally disobedient and they've still got a nice house, nice home, they're getting a raise next month and probably the month after? What everything's going great? What about your spirit? God's more concerned about your soul. I don't know about you, but I've done this. I've I've lived in disobedience. I've disobeyed God. I've walked around and it's like, man, cursed be I when I go in and cursed is me when I go out. It's like all that I say and do, everything I put my hand to, it's like a curse, a curse, a curse, and a curse. It's like nothing will go right. And I'm not saying that everything will be going right if you're saved and live with the Lord. There, there is an attack. There is a devil. There is a real fight. But I want to say this. If you want the blessings of God, He has laid it before you today. Blessing and cursing. Life and death. Victory and defeat. And it is your absolute choice. And God, listen, God goes over the cursings and the things that will come against you in this book so detailed for a reason. You need to know it. But I'm going to tell you why I believe God went over it in so much detail. Because He loves you. Because He cares for you. He is mindful that we are but dust. You know, you ever trying to tell the little kid not to touch the fire? How many times it's like you get onto him, get angry, even say, listen, it's awfully quiet in here, and I know I'm preaching hard, and I do not apologize for that, but listen, sometimes it's not really a good thing when you tell your son, hey, get away from the fire, I'm gonna whip your butt! (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'm gonna whip your hiney. Hey, listen, it's not a good thing! But listen, you hope he remembers that negative thing you said. Listen, we're going to get to the good part, I promise. But you hope he remembers all that negative stuff you said, right? But all that negative stuff, why are you telling it all to him? Why are you yelling at him? Why are you telling him over and over? Why? Because you love him and you don't want him to get burned. God loves you. And all that I've said this morning thus far is to say, listen, God says, I love you. I'm trying to protect you. I don't, God doesn't want the cursings to come upon you. Why do you think He died on Calvary? That we may live and walk in absolute victory. God wants you to have victory. I was swimming with Braylon yesterday, and 
He kept trying to get in the hot. There was a hot tub by this big pool, and, and Hannah told him three times, "No, Braylon, don't, don't get in the hot tub." And she told him three times. I already told him twice earlier, and he went and just ignored us. And Hannah had said it three times, "Don't get in the hot tub." She was starting to stand up and say it again, and I said, "Hey, Hannah, don't tell him again. Don't tell him again. Let him suffer the wrath of this." Pow. Amen. Let him. Listen, I've warned him and we've warned him and he's warned him. Let him learn his lesson. Let him get in so I can go and spank him. Why? Nobody in here loves my son like I do. I love my son. He's my best friend. He's just as wild and crazy as I am. He's hyper like me too. Amen. I love my son. I don't want to spank him, but I love him and I do want him to teach him. I do want to teach him my word. And I do want to teach him. What happens when we say, Braylon, no, no, don't run to the road. No, don't run to the road. What happens when he doesn't fear my voice? We always think, we always try, I'm, I'm tired of hearing people change God's word. Fear just means an awesome respect. Maybe. No, I think it means fear. Fear is good. Fear is healthy for my son, Braylon. Because that time when he fears daddy's voice and he knows that I love him. And he knows that I'm going to give him a good whooping. When he fears my voice, that could be the matter of life and death. Man, I'm, a good, I'm, I'm sure glad I spanked him that time. Man, I'm sure glad he didn't run because that car was driving too fast and they didn't see him. And he may be dead. But you know what saved his life? Fear of the Father. Fear the Father. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He has laid it before you today, cursing and a blessing. He cares for you. You know, my mother-in-law said something to me at the lake this weekend. They were set up and she said, you know, if you think about it, really discouragement, God has commanded us not. I was thinking about it. Is it a sin to be discouraged? I mean, what excuse do I have to be discouraged? I shouldn't be. God's laid before my feet. We're going to get to the blessings. Man, them blessings are going to overtake me. I have no excuse but to not walk in the power and the anointing and the unction of God and all that I say and do. But I started thinking about that. We all go through discouragement. I got discouraged this week, okay? We all go through it. It happens. And I started thinking about that. Sometimes we go through discouragement. We go through trials. In Psalm 119, Psalm 119.71, It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. If you go through Psalm 119, his laws, his precepts, his ordinances, statutes, that's his word. You heard he said, it is good that I've been afflicted. When we're afflicted, it engages our hearts to seek him again. So many times Moses wrote, when you get to the promised land. In chapter 12, he says, I'm paraphrasing, when you get the houses and good things I've given you, when you get to the promised land and you've been blessed by me, don't forget that I brought you from Egypt. You need to see what happens is sometimes we get blessed by God, we begin to live in victory, and we begin to look and think, man, I've done all this. Sometimes God uses affliction to bring us back. God really, listen, God's not really, He doesn't really need your tithe. He doesn't need it. What He wants is your heart. And when He has your heart, you'll obey Him. Obedience proves that, God, I love You and I trust in You. 
I'm not talking about legalism this morning. I hate legalism. If there was a half a stench of legalism on this church, I wouldn't be here. I've been around a bunch of religious fakes for years. I hate legalism. It's funny how incredible the church today is called, called pure obedience to God. We've tried, they've tried to pervert it. The enemy has tried to pervert it. Uh, oh, you want absolute obedience? Oh, you guys do that? Oh, that's just legalistic. Oh, we don't need to pay attention to that stuff. Yes, you do. You do need to pay attention to that stuff. Why? Because this is your life. It is good that I've been afflicted. I was, when I got discouraged, I was afflicted. And you know what? I sought God like I hadn't sought Him in a few weeks. You know what? That's all He wanted in the first place. That's all He was after was my heart. You're the enemy today. There's a huge fat lie going throughout this world. Well, God's Word, it's, there's a lot to it. It's really what... It's really just how you translate it. You know, I know that may say this to you, but this says this to me, and there's so many different denominations and churches, and, you know, it's just really however you translate it. It's really not that simple to understand. Can I say this? That is a big, fat, stinking lie. God's Word is simple. He says in First or Second Corinthians, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, you will be led away from the simplicity of the Gospel. God's Word, listen, I'm not very smart. I don't have degrees. This book is my life. I'm not, it doesn't make me righteous or holy. I just love God a whole lot and I'm such a scallywag. I feel like I need Him a whole lot. This is my life. This book is my best friend. I have read it several times and I know this. It is simple. I know it because I can understand it. This book is easy to understand. The world has given us a light. It is incredible. Read some of it. Tell me, tell me how, how did you get that? How did you say that? It's incredible the twists of the devil, the attack on God's Word. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. God's Word is simple. His commandments are simple. I want to say this this morning. I'm not saying it's always easy, because it's not. You know, when they went into the Promised Land, they crossed over the Jordan. And what did He say? He said in Deuteronomy 10 or 12, you're going to take it little by little. Notice when they got there, and I already said this, but when they got there, they didn't just take all the land. I'm not saying it's easy. It's still a fight. Discouragement's a real thing. Disobedience and sin and faults and failures, it's real. And it happens. But thank God, when you make mistakes, seek His face again. When you're afflicted and you fall down, get back up. Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price for us. You know, this week, I, it was like I was arguing with God saying, yeah, but God, I blew it this big this time. I can't just get back up and go. And you know what? It's like as if I was telling God, God, you're diminishing my sin. And God says, no, no, child, 
You are diminishing the cross. You are diminishing the blood. The blood of my Son Jesus that I sent to die. Let me say this to you this morning. His grace is greater than your sin. His grace is more powerful than our faults and our failures. His blood has wiped it away. Remember that song that Pastor Joplin sang? It was a month or two ago, but it goes, What sin? The song is about a guy coming and just trying to confess, and the Lord's response to him is, What sin? I want to say this to you this morning. If you're a child of God, He has cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. God loves you. He has paved the way that you enter into the promised land. I'm telling you this this morning. It is time for some of us to get up. Quit walking in circles of negativity. Quit walking in circles of unbelief. Cross over the Jordan and go in and take the promised land. All has been given. The victory has been won. Follow Jesus Christ. He'll take you from battle to battle. From strength to strength. He'll take you from glory to glory. Follow Him. Trust in Him. Grasp on to Him. Deuteronomy, verse, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is my last point and I'm done. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Isn't that awesome? God said, child of God, when you trust me, when you obey me, my not the cursings, when you trust and you obey me, my blessings will overtake you. I don't know about you this morning. I want to be totally and completely overtaken and overwhelmed by the blessings of God. And that is His promise to you this morning. He says, trust in me, child. Seek me with all your heart, with all your soul, with your strength, with your mind. Seek after me. When you fall, just get back up because I'm there, because my grace is sufficient for you. I will overtake you with blessings. Something I noticed that Moses had said about the promised land. Chris, you guys can come up and play a song. Moses was telling the people that were about to go and take the promised land. He describes it here in a little bit. Just to, uh, He describes it here a little bit. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7. Listen to this. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water. Of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. Did you hear that? You know, often... In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is contrasted to or referred to as water. He says, The Lord your God's bringing you into a good land, brooks of water, fountains and springs, and they flow out of valleys and hills. I read that, and God just ministered to me and showed me. Listen, Branson, when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. He'll make me lie down in green pastures. He'll lead me beside the still waters. He'll restore my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, here he said, the water will flow out of valleys and hills. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. You know what? God showed me that. You know, we, Joplin's been doing this series on Psalm 23. We, I know we took a break from it today, but listen. He'll lead you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Yes, we go through the mountaintop. Yes, we go down in the valley. But you know what? There's plenty of Him there. The spring, it's going to spring forth in the valleys and the hills. Wherever you go, there's enough Holy Spirit for you. Be overtaken. Be overtaken with His blessings. Be overtaken with His power. It has all been done for one reason and one purpose. To give you absolute victory. I said to myself this week, Branson, why am I discouraged? I have no reason. I have no reason. I have no excuse to be discouraged. God is good. He brought me up from the land of Egypt. I never thought I'd be up here preaching. God saved me and pulled me from my darkness. I never could have gotten out. If you're saved, you know too, God plucked you out. He changed you. He set your feet upon a rock. Grasp onto and take a hold of your promised land. Grasp onto and take a hold of the absolute victory follow Jesus. He'll take you step by step. He'll take you to the city. You'll march around the walls of Jericho. You'll watch Him fall. He'll take you to the lands of giants. You'll see Him defeated. You will have victory after victory and God's blessings will come upon you. Church, this morning, this is what God sent me here to say. He has laid before you a blessing and a curse. He has laid before you life and death. Take hold of the victory that has been won, Christian. Take hold of the absolute victory and authority that has been placed in your life. God has a plan for you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you to exalt His name. Whatever gift it is, whatever ministry gift it is, we are all the body. We are all the body of Christ. And listen, I need you. You need me. I'm not called to do what you're called to do. I'll never reach the people that you're called to reach. We're a family. We're a body. Kevin, stand up here. We're a family. Please this way, brother. We're a family and we're a body. We're going to do this. Church, look at us right here. All of us, we're going to do this arm in arm, hand in hand. You and me. Me and you. We're in a fight together. Shield to shield. Sword to sword. We are in a battle and we're going to follow our heavenly Jehovah and we're going to take the land. And you've got to make that choice. I can't make it for you. You can't make it for me. But let's seek the face of God and take the victory that's been given to us. Father, move all over this room, God. We love You. We praise You. We worship You. Thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You that You brought us from the land of Egypt. God, I pray that You'd let faith arise in the hearts of Your people, God. Help us not to turn to the right. Help us not to turn to the left. 
Help us obey the command You gave us, which is this. You be strong. Be very courageous. Help us to be strong. Help us to be courageous. Help us to fight the good fight and know that there's enough Holy Spirit when we're in the valley, when we're on the hill, that You'll lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, that You'll never leave us, that You'll never forsake us. Help us to know it and look to our Shepherd. We worship You, God. Be exalted now through this altar call service, God. If there's someone in here that needs to be saved, come forward, give Jesus Christ your life. He is the answer. Church, whatever the need there is, maybe you just want to praise and worship Him. Maybe you just want to grab a brother or sister in Christ and say, let's go forward to the altar. Let's go arm in arm, shield to shield. Let's just stop and praise Him. Let's stop and pray for our families. Let's just pray for each other. Whatever the need may be, these altars are open. As we sing a song of invitation, we